0: All right, welcome to the State of the Lakers show on Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out. I am very excited tonight. This is the most excited I've been about this team all season. I know that seems crazy (laughs) coming off of a loss, um, but there was so much good out there tonight that I think in general um, uh, that we can probably view this as an example of something that should give us a bunch of optimism. Um, I don't want to get too... Far into it right away, but I just wanted to kind of set that tone from the start. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like this was a game that the Lakers played well. On the road against the defending champs in Milwaukee, I I, I just, I, I was super impressed with the team, and, and we're going to get into why, uh, uh, you know, because obviously with the scoreboard, it may seem like they didn't really have much of a chance to win, but I thought, I thought that they missed a lot of really good shots from really good shooters tonight. Which if even just a few of those go the other way, this could be an entirely different outcome. So, and that's just one small part of it. But I was, I was really, really excited. THT looks freaking incredible. There's a bunch of good that we're going to get into tonight, which excites me because Raj and I have just had to sit here and (laughs) bitch and moan basically nonstop for the last, for the last month. So uh, Raj, where's your head at right now? Are you as optimistic as I am?
1: Yeah, this was a good game. Like we've been begging the team not just get blown out, right? And, and again, tonight a game against the defending champs. They've been struggling, but they're still they still have Giannis. They got Chris Milton back tonight. I didn't expect the Lakers to win, but they had definitely had a chance. And there was a lot of good process stuff, like you said tonight. Just a lot of marginal decisions I thought impacted the game. Some of the lineup decisions that we can kind of get into that. But LeBron's coming back Friday. At least that's that's the hopes. And that was kind of the pretense going into this game. I was just trying to just want to look at some good process stuff. And I thought we saw that tonight. Giannis had a crazy first half, but he also had like three threes, a couple turnaround jumpers go in. So like, I, I thought some of the physicality we didn't match, but yeah, just a lot of good stuff. Uh, like you said, and definitely I think Taylor Horton Tucker is leading that train of positivity. Cause man, he looks absolutely incredible. He looks, he looks ready to start on this team and that might have some issues with spacing and stuff. But if his jump shot's real, man, he, he to me was the lead again uh, of the story tonight.
0: Yeah, you know, I think we should start with THC as well. The, you know, we have kind of been on a little roller coaster back and forth with this kid about whether or not it's been worth trading him for something to buy into the you know a title window that that we that is limited because of the age of lebron right and mm-hmm. the my main concern was like can this kid contribute at the level you need him to contribute to be worth it in, at least enough so that you don't feel like you're one foot in and one foot out and right. what it ha- what has ended up happening here is he's taking a leap here on both ends of the floor But I called him in the last podcast, mini Kawhi. And there was this thing that used to happen with Kawhi Leonard, especially when he was younger, where if you dribbled in front of him, it was just a disaster every time. Because he was just going to take the ball away from you. He had these ridiculous long arms. He was really good at reaching without fouling. And we saw a lot of that tonight. It was on my notes. Uh, You may remember remember the big play at the end of the game where he ripped uh, Drew Holiday near half court. Mm But Jump ball. throughout the entire first half of the game, he was just getting his hands on balls all over the court, uh, off ball in passing lanes, on ball uh, uh, at the point of attack. Guys, you know, trying to fight over the top of a screen and roll. He's coming over from behind. He's just turned into an incredibly disruptive defender, which was something that we saw happening. But we worried about whether or not he'd be able to bring enough offensively to be playable in, in the best Laker lineups you know, and whether or not they'd be able to rely on him in a playoff setting. And he seems to be significantly ahead of where he was offensively last year. I know he had a career high last game. He had 20 plus again tonight. The dude, Mm -hmm. uh, if he gets his first step on you, there's nothing anybody can do to stop him from getting all the way to the rim because of how long his arms are and how good he is with that little scoop shot on both sides of the rim. And he's shooting well enough from the perimeter right now that he's at least every bit as much of a threat as a Bazemore, you know, or an Avery Bradley, right? So you can very much see that that THT is trending in the direction of being a bona fide pillar of this team. And that absolutely without a shadow of a doubt raises their salient. And whatever you want to say about Russ and the trade and whatever you want to say about what this team could have been, about the process that this team has gone through, in the way that it's taken shape over the last couple of years. The the reality of the situation is, is THT making a leap like this makes all of that not matter. Mm-hmm. Because now it's LeBron and AD and THT as this huge pillar. And even if things don't pan out with Russ, which we'll talk about him later, and I actually think he's starting to kind of find his groove a little bit. And he's too. starting mm-hmm. to also look great physically. But the the THT rise completely changes the ceiling of this team. And I think everyone should be very excited.
1: Yeah, man, his decision-making is at a way different level than it was even last season. Like, he's driving to the rim. He's doing all these, like, he drives, gets in the air, and then kicks it out. And our shooters weren't really making shots tonight. But just his shot curation is so needed. There are plays where, like, Russ does a kick ahead to THT, and he has just a one-man. It's not even an advantage. It's like a two-on-two. He gets right to the basket. And he gets fouled or gets a layup. I thought there were a lot of plays tonight where he got hacked and just didn't get the call. But he's just really finding him a rhythm. And I think just his third game back, you can already see him start to get even more and more comfortable, man. And once he starts drawing those foul calls, uh, I think he's going to even take a next step. But you're right. He's making that leap uh, right in front of us. And I just think just having him... I wish we could have just staggered, you know, him and Russ. Like, I think he's showing us that he's, like, our second-best ball handler right now. And, again, we're getting LeBron back, so obviously that will change. But just without LeBron tonight, I would have just loved to see him kind of get the ball with him. But I wrote down in my notes here, there was a play where he had Drew Holiday on him, which I think both of us think is one of the best guard defenders in the league. And like you said, he got one step on Drew Holiday, and Drew had to kind of foul him as he got to the basket because he couldn't do anything. He's definitely gotten more skinny, but he's still super strong. So, like and and you combine that with his ball handling, and it's just a really tough cover. And you're right, defensively, I thought he was probably our best guy on Chris Middleton tonight, like just chasing him over screens, giving back pressure on his length. Like you could see that I thought Chris Middleton got off a little bit when he was guarded by like Rondo, and you had DeAndre Jordan kind of coming up on a drop coverage. But I thought THT on Chris Middleton was fantastic. I thought he competed against Giannis. Giannis obviously has the strength advantage. But there was a play, I think, where THT kind of, almost threw a drum ball. They didn't really call it. Giannis got the ball back and dunked. But you're right, he's definitely taking another step and it changes everything for this season, to be honest. Like, THT taking a leap is, and he was kind of paid in that way, but it was kind of hard to predict for a 20-year-old. He's turning 21, I think, next week. But you're right, him taking a leap changes everything for this team. You're adding a, I think he can average, I'd say he can average 15 a game. Maybe I kind of shorten him a little bit. But you add like a 17-point a game scorer who can create with the rock in his hands, Like that's such a big boost to a team that lacks that on so many levels outside of Russ and LeBron. So it's, it's huge to see him really play well. And I think he's not just putting up points. I think it's impacting winning as well. Like I thought he was a big part of why the game was close tonight.
0: Yeah, hundred percent agree. Like it changes everything about the team. It changes their ceiling. It changes their timeline. Mm-hmm. The THT taking a leap like this, this early in his career, you know, it, it makes it so that LeBron can age gracefully. It makes it so that you don't find yourself in this awkward situation where you're watching some ancient old LeBron and Anthony Davis looking like he's in over his skis because there's not enough talent on the team. And and then here come the debates about whether or not he wants out to go to Chicago. No, like if THT, per- his skill set obviously complements Anthony Davis in a lot of ways, two way guard, a guy who can be a primary ball handler who can get guys into position like th- it's I don't see. And again, we're two we're two games in, so I don't want to get too over the top here. But this is absolutely something to get excited about. And in, in addition to that, even within the context of LeBron returning, you know, there's been so much offense run through Monk, so much offense run through Rondo, so much offense run through this theoretical position there. You know, even Kendrick Nunn is someone that's talked about as being usable in that, in that type of situation. THT mm-hmm. is going to slot right into that position, that second side creator. He's probably going to be on the floor with Russ or with LeBron at all times, but if you if you put him on that second side and have him create on you know when LeBron comes down the floor runs in action for whatever reason it doesn't work the ball gets swung around then THT is an awesome option to run that second action and to take some of that you know uh, workload off of the uh, off of the LeBron AD pairing it's just you know again d- don't want to get too excited, but like this is this is far far beyond what i expected to see from him at this point in the season and so i Absolutely see reason to be excited. Now, I I wanted to move on to the the shot quality that the Lakers got in this game because what's so amazing about a a core built around THT, LeBron, Russ, and Anthony Davis is, ironically, Anthony Davis is the more perimeter-oriented player in that group. All those other three are head down, get to the rim guys, Mm -hmm. and constantly collapse the defense guys. And even without LeBron tonight – the Lakers did an amazing job generating high quality three point looks. Now, in the past, when you're watching, you know, when you're watching the 2020 Lakers or the 2021 Lakers and they shoot in the 20% from three, I, I think there were, can't remember exactly what they were tonight, but it was something like 27% from three. In yeah. the past, when you'd see that, you'd go, OK, this is just what you get when it's Wayne, when it's, you know, Wes Matthews taking the threes and it's Ray John Rondo taking the threes and it's Avery Bradley taking the threes and it's Danny Green and it's KCP. You know, those guys had a certain tendency to not shoot well. But tonight, those were great looks for great shooters. I think uh, I think uh, the uh, Mello was two for eight Monk mm-hmm. was one for seven. Ellington was one for seven. And, you know, yeah, they took some some deeper threes, some late clock threes that weren't quite as good as some of the others. But there were a lot of really high quality misses in there. And so if you look at the process, like we always talk about process and results, like we would lose a game, you know, to Minnesota or we would lose a game to Portland. And you'd be like, OK, we we're supposed to win. But our process sucked. We weren't getting good stuff. Right. We weren't we weren't running inside out basketball putting pressure on the rim generating quality shots playing defense like crazy tonight they competed against a team that is extremely talented on both ends of the floor they generated high quality shots and they just didn't go in and yeah on the road you're going to get some bad calls there were there were two in my opinion a three absolutely atrocious calls Giannis off arm into Anthony Davis that's an atrocious call that uh hook shot that he shot over THT that's not a foul that Chris Middleton play where THT jumped oh, man, and kind that of back. That's not a foul that that kind of stuff happens on the road. So if you're sitting in the locker room tonight, you can look back at this and say, we had good process. The result wasn't what we wanted, but we went into the defending champs house without our best player. And we played really good basketball and we lost a game. We could have won and we mm-hmm. did all the right stuff. And so I, I think there's really good reason to be optimistic coming out of that.
1: Yeah. And you talked about the threes tonight uh, not to just pour more fire on the THT hype train. But he was three for six from three tonight as well. A lot of those spot-up opportunities. And if he can hit those, man, like we're talking about a totally different player. But you're right, they shot 12 of 43 from three. Uh, Wayne Ellington and Malik Monk going two for 14 really hurts. You add in Carmelo's two for eight. Bunch of threes that would have just shifted the tide uh, of the game there. So yeah, a lot of good stuff. I still think our offense is still very ugly. A lot of, you know, 80 post-ups and, We talked about AD's jumper getting better and it looks the best it did. I thought tonight as well. It just looks super smooth. Looks like that bubble AD in terms of mid range rhythm. Uh, The pick and pop jumper looks really clean. Uh, His balance is there. Hopefully that continues uh, when LeBron gets back. But yeah, a lot of open shots that didn't go in. I thought we competed pretty hard the whole night, save for like the end of the end of the second quarter. You talked about all the fouls that went against us. Um, Anthony Davis didn't take a free throw tonight, which is fascinating to think about it. Um, a lot of that is him not going to the rim either. I would have liked him to be a little bit more aggressive, uh, just the way that they were defending. But we did create some good shots, man. And I really wanted us to start. Uh, Avery Bradley, I think, played like the first three minutes of the se- of the third quarter, and then he didn't come into the game again. Uh, we just stuck with Monk and Ellington. And I really wish they started with that. And hopefully, uh, again, when LeBron comes back, he changed the whole kind of floor balance. But you're right, just a really good game, good process game. And uh, I think we can kind of move into Russell Westbrook. Because I thought Russ, again, tonight just looked – he had, I think, three turnovers right away in the first quarter, and he finished with three turnovers tonight. Just a good floor game, 19 points, 15 assists. Put his head down, like you said, going to the basket. I think think you're right. He's starting to get comfortable. His athleticism looked the best tonight. Like, he had one play where he drove and just burst with control up and under layup, and I just haven't seen stuff like that. His finishing getting a little bit better. The decision-making isn't going to – be great every night but I just thought he's getting more and more comfortable and just having another ball handler and THT out there you could see how it just opens things up for him he doesn't have to be the one that makes every decision I just have another guy to swing to what would you see from Russ tonight because I thought it, it, he's trending upward at least is what it feels like and again getting LeBron back hopefully it kind of stays this way but what do you see from Russ tonight
0: so he is there's been stories that have been told about Russ from every previous fan base that he's encountered that he tends to kind of like get his legs underneath them as the season progresses. Now he's never going to be the same guy that he was in his prime in Oklahoma city, whatever that dream is, Laker fans need to get that out of their head. You know, he is starting to look a lot more athletic than he did at the beginning of the season, which is enough. When you factor in what they need from this position, which is something I've talked about throughout this entire season you know, right now, Russ is being a primary ball handler, the like the number one guy on the team in terms of decision making and, and, uh, and he's mm-hmm. going to draw the best perimeter defender every single night. That's what he's, that's what he's dealing with right now, but that's only going to get easier for him. When LeBron comes back, he's going to be attacking lesser perimeter defenders. He's going to be attacking in lineups, you know, against bench groups, because, Primarily with the starters, it'll be LeBron making you know the majority of the decisions. In the closing groups, it'll be LeBron making the majority of the decisions. He will be focused this same rim pressure that we're seeing. Because what we're seeing from Russ makes sense on paper. It's just they're surrounding him with a ton of shooting. And Anthony Davis or Dwight Howard, who I guess Dwight got hurt or something because they went with De- uh, DeAndre Jordan in the second half. I'm not sure what ended mm-hmm. up coming out about that. But they're basically putting him with one big – and three shooters, and they're saying, put your head down, get to the damn rim, and if you run into trouble, just throw the ball out. And I- even if you throw it to the wrong guy, we can swing it around and find a shooter. That all that, that makes basketball sense. That is something that fits with this group. That is something that this team actually needs to help carry it in the non-LeBron minutes. And so for it to look you know, like this in the role where he's the number one, in my opinion, it's only to get better when he's the number two and the the main reason why is because he still is taking some absolutely boneheaded jump shots off the dribble. There was one today where he was, it was almost like he was trying to end up on house of highlights. He was like the, the ball was like rolling around (laughs) in front of him and he was kind of like tapping down at it, trying to get the dribble to come back alive. And then he just said, screw it. And he picked it up and shot a turnaround fadeaway. That shot Mm -hmm. is not going to happen when LeBron is back in the lineup. It's just not going to happen. Uh, or it shouldn't, at least. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that remains to be seen. But the point being, like, there's going to be a more, uh, like, think of it like on this stake. And, and when LeBron comes back, Russ can finally trim a bunch of that off. And it should be a little bit more, you know, uh, it should be a little bit more catered to what this team actually needs from that position. I actually really like the fit of having this, like, secondary ball, like rim pressure type of, of guard. It worked. It really made sense with Dennis Schroeder, you know, in a lot of ways, I I think Dennis was better defensively than Russ and hopefully Russ kind of comes around on that end of the floor. Uh, He is trending in the right direction, making incremental improvements on that end. But I, I, there is a universe where this fit can work. It just requires taking primary decision-making responsibilities out of his hands in the key moments of the game. At the beginning, when you're setting the tone, At the end, when you're closing the deal, those are the times when the ball will be out of his hands. So this could, in theory, make a lot of sense. It's not entirely unprecedented to have your secondary creator be kind of a bull in the China shop. It's no different than Jordan Clarkson with the Utah Jazz or even like a Jordan Poole with the Golden State Warriors, a guy that's like you're kind of like, I don't care if you make some mistakes. You're attacking lesser defenders. You're doing it in smaller portions of the game. That, That makes sense. That role makes sense for Russ. It just right now he's kind of miscast as a lead man, so I, but even in that miscast lean lead man role, he was pretty good tonight, so i mm-hmm. i i i'm i'm am starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel with Russ.
1: yeah, and I thought t h t kind of did a pretty good job tonight of playing that LeBron role next to him right t h t twenty five points twelve rebounds tonight, but like it just it just seemed like Russ is starting to get comfortable with another super shot creator in t h t Kind of played that role tonight next to him. We'll see. I want to see it when LeBron gets back, but it, it does seem like he's he took a lot of those really bad mid-range shots, and the one you talked about, where he tried to keep the dribble alive, like that stuff's gonna happen. And I always said like Russ isn't gonna change like his turnovers and his shot selection is gonna go down more of a function of getting more superior ball handling next to him. It's like playing next to LeBron. I really, I really hope they can kind of stagger them a little bit better than they they did tonight. And I thought that was a difference in the game for me. Like Russ was a plus three, Tht a plus three, Ad a plus five. Like our bench was just atrocious. Like those Rondo minutes, Rondo was a minus ten in twelve minutes, which is kind of impressive. Like and I they should have
0: staggered Tht and Russ. I have no idea why they didn't do that. Like putting them both off in the middle of the fourth quarter, I thought was a huge strategic mistake.
1: Yeah, and then I think Vogel tried to buy a few minutes with the DeAndre Jordan. Uh, lineup and I, I thought he did an okay job we went up one and i was just expecting a timeout or ad to come in and then chris middleton uh knocked off six straight points to put us down five i thought that really changed the game but again good process like we kind of hung with the bucks when the best players were on the floor and i think that's what's important Giannis, again insane first half there's a lot of scheme stuff i was confused by we kept switching the middleton uh Giannis pick and roll uh late in that game and it just led to Giannis having like THT on him with you know Carmelo as the low man as the bottom man trying to help I thought that was really flummoxing to me the pick and roll the pocket pass was too easy for Giannis on some of those I mean he went 18 for 22 tonight I'm just think that's just even with the three for four from three I'm oh, sorry 18 for 23 three for four from three it's that's still an insane efficient night I thought we made it a little too easy for him on some plays but he's the Giannis he's special in that way but yeah this was a good game man this was a this was a winning type of game. Like, you could have won this game if, if shooting went your way or a few calls went your way. And that's all you can really ask with the team shorthanded without LeBron. Hopefully we get Nunn and Ariza back soon. But this was a good process game. Still a lot of ugly offense. Still a lot of post-up for AD that I think get minimized when LeBron's back just to control the offense. Uh, but this was this was good process, man. Like this was, This was a positive game to take from.
0: Yeah, I 100 percent agree. I wanted to talk about Giannis for a second because I I think it was a very interesting Giannis game in a lot of ways with the first half with the Lakers, the way that the Lakers decided to defend him. And then in the second in the second half with the officiating. So, first of all, you know, I I wrote down in my notes that in the first half, uh, the Lakers were scared of Giannis contact. Uh, It seemed like when Giannis would attempt to bully his way to the rim, people had a tendency to just get out of his way. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I talk a lot of I talk a lot with Austin Reeves about how he's not afraid to take the contact and the ugly, the ugly jobs on the court, chasing guys over the top of screens, putting his body in harm's way. He's going to get a bloody nose. He's going to get hit in the mouth. He's going to get that kind of stuff. But he doesn't care because he's willing to do the dirty work. That's the way you have mm-hmm. to guard Giannis in the paint. You have to be willing to put your body on the line. And then through that entire first half, it was like they tried to stop the action. But once Giannis got his catch within five feet of the rim or within seven or eight feet of the rim, they kind of just conceded the basket, you know, and for Mm -hmm. starters, that's not going to happen in a playoff series. That was, I thought just some bad, I thought there was just like some regular season. Hey, let's cut our losses here. Type of behavior from the Lakers in the second half, they did a much better job of making him take tough shots of making him his life more difficult around the rim. And it, that's the reason why he didn't have 28 again in the second half. Now, I, I also want to compl- be clear uh, officiating is not the reason the Lakers lost this game. It is kind of a, ex- an expectation that when you go on the road in a hostile environment, the, the, the home team's going to get some calls in their favor. I talked about John. them earlier. I, it, to me, that's not, that's not out of the ordinary in NBA basketball. However, There's this thing that happened with LeBron in his career where over the course of the last 20 years, the refs understood, especially in the last six, seven, eight years, where like, hey, LeBron's initiating a lot of contact here. So, you know, Laker fans incessantly bitch and moan about the fact that LeBron doesn't get calls. And I tend to think that LeBron is officiated pretty fair. You know, like there are a lot of plays where LeBron will get into someone's chest, off-arm the hell out of them, bully ball the hell out of them, and get hacked at the end, and they won't call it. And the way I see it, it's like, you know, you're giving some and you're getting some, you know what I mean? That's the ref understanding, this is the way LeBron plays, so this is the way it's going to go at the end, and we kind of have to give the defender some leeway. Well, for whatever reason, that same leeway does not exist with Giannis. And it drives me insane. I'm not sure if it's because it's early in his career. I'm not sure if it's because maybe he's just a touch more athletic you know, in the sense that like he's getting a little bit more of an advantage on those plays. Maybe it's just that simple. But what bothers me is Giannis is given a great deal of leeway to initiate contact, and the defenders are not given that same amount of leeway. And so some of these plays were like, where, like, like the Giannis play that got challenged. Like when you're extending your off arm into the guy's chest, I'm sorry. AD shouldn't have to abide by verticality, okay? You should be able to take a little bit of your position away since he's coming into your position. You know what I mean? It's 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 just the it's same thing with that THT post up where he got called at the foul on the hook shot with Giannis. It's like, dude, Giannis is literally trying to bully this kid. You got to give him some leeway in return. It's the same way that LeBron is officiated now. And again, it, it, I. I, I'm not insulting Giannis. I think Giannis is a bona fide top-tier superstar. I thought he was incredible tonight. I think he's better than Anthony Davis. I thought it was still brought up. But there's, it bothers me the way that he's officiated because we have a similar archetype in LeBron who does the same thing, initiate you know, a shit ton of contact, and then guys hack him at the end of plays and we let that stuff go, it, it, that kind of thing has to eventually take shape with Giannis or no one's ever going to be able to stop the guy.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I thought tonight we just didn't match. Giannis comes with a certain level of physicality that you have to at least match. Right. And again, the physical stuff, the the calls, like he shot, I think what, four, I don't know how many free throws he shot tonight. Didn't feel like he went to the line a bunch. Uh, oh, he had 11 free throws. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like I just thought we didn't match his physicality in the first half and it, it's tough. I, I agree with you. He probably gets a couple more calls in that way. I think there's a lot of superstars where you kind of see that. Paul George gets away with that, like push off a lot and stuff like that. But again, like tonight, I thought it was just a physicality thing that we didn't match him in that first half. It was too easy. Um, He really gets up when he plays AD for some reason. Like he definitely takes that matchup personal. And uh, AD definitely doesn't see it this way uh, for whatever reason that is. That is what it is. Um, But I thought Giannis definitely, like there was a lot of plays in transition where he's just like, I'm going through your chest. And I thought there was a lot of that where um, AD picked it up in the second half, but in that first half it was just too easy. Um, just straight line, one one move drives right to the basket. Just and a lot of that is is Giannis, and he's just a super physical dude. Uh, but yeah, like I just thought that there was a lot of just not matching his physicality in that first half. He's gonna hit those. I thought we made him take some tough shots, those turnaround fadeaways. Like you live with those. He made a few of those three threes. Like if he wants to take those, he can take those all day. Uh, but yeah, I thought a lot of a lot of his stuff in that first half to me was some scheme, some of the defense, just too easy on the pick and roll, and then just not matching his physicality. And that's a level, like, that's a generational skill to me from Giannis, his motor to just play like that on a nightly basis. Again, I think against AD, it's, a, it's even more. But just, like, that's a generational skill to me that he has. He has a motor that's unmatched for a lot of players uh, in the league, and you combine that with his work ethic and his his skill level that's definitely increased. Um, and he had a special first half. But again, I thought a lot of that was AD and the whole team not matching his physicality. And maybe that's just because, you know, when you have, like like you said, on those plays where like AD would defend Drew and they would get to Giannis at the rim and they just kind of give up. A lot of that was Melo, who <laughs> who's kind of the backline guy. Expecting him to do that is tough. Um, and again, like you said, those probably won't happen in the playoffs. You probably won't get situations definitely like that. But I thought a lot of it was just us not matching their physicality until probably the third quarter where, where things really turn in and, and they did a lot better job on him.
0: Anthony Davis is a very physical defensive player and mm-hmm. he has the ability to use his physicality to impact the game on that end. But the truth of the matter is, is even the best version of Anthony Davis has physical limitations at the highest level of basketball offensively. Okay. Sure. So for instance, like when he's playing Denver and your front line is like, literally Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, and, and Nikola Jokic, yeah, he's going to be able to be physically dominant in a lot of ways. When you're playing against Houston and they don't have a center and you're posting up P.J. Tucker every time, yeah, Anthony Davis is going to have a certain amount of offensive physical presence. But look at what happened in that Miami Heat series. When it, became, when it came down to bam out of bio and you know, big, strong physical forwards all over the floor, Anthony Davis turned into a jump shooter in that series. If you look, the vast majority of his around the basket finishes were either set up by other people or offensive rebound putbacks. When LeBron would get to the rim and miss a layup, or Rondo would get to the rim miss a layup, something along those lines. They, in post up situations, were able to turn him into a jump shooter. So when it comes to a game like this, you can try to match. He can try to match Giannis with intensity. But the truth of the matter is, is when he's posting up semi ojale or he's po- pe- posting up. You know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's going to take fadeaways. That's just that's just what he's going to do. And then at that point, it becomes a make or miss game, you know. And so that that to me is you know the defining characteristic that separates the two of them. This is something we talked about on a pod a few weeks back. But Giannis just has that ability to break you down off the dribble and get into the paint anytime he wants. And the only way you're going to stop him is by putting multiple bodies in the way. In which case, you're going to have turn turn the team into a jump shooting team in, in that regard. But there is a a, uh, the, the the defining difference between the two of them is that ability. Like yeah, AD against the best forward defenders in the league is probably going to be a jump shooter in isolation situations. That doesn't mean he's not still deeply impactful offensively as a guy who can screen and roll to the rim and screen and pop and do things as a, as a floor spacer. And his value in that regard is massive. But when you're comparing him to the very top tier of stars that's that one differentiating factor. So the, I, when people say like, oh, Giannis took it to AD tonight, it's like I, that's kind of what it's going to look like because they're to me they're t- totally different archetypes of players. But I thought Anthony Davis overall was fantastic tonight. And he was great defensively, especially in the second half. His jumper continues to trend in the right direction. What is this, his 15th or 16th consecutive game that he's played this season? So he's starting to get his rhythm. He's starting to get his legs underneath him. Obviously, he got a little banged up tonight. It like looked like a dead leg is what it seemed like to me. It looked like he got kneed in the thigh somewhere. That, that's what it seemed like he was favoring. Um, I'm sure we'll learn more in the postgame. Um, but I, I, I'm really, really happy with the way Anthony Davis is progressing. If you're looking at this from 30,000 feet in the air, you can you can look at a couple of huge benchmarks here that should bring some optimism. One, LeBron is coming back. Two, Russ is starting to kind of figure out how he can help this particular team. Three, Anthony Davis is starting to make jump shots again and physically looks as good as he's ever looked. And four, THT appears to be progressing to be a star. If you count all four of those things, that's a lot of reason to get very excited about this team's ceiling. And I know that seems crazy to say because they're 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, And it's been largely a disaster up to this point. But, I mean, I, I, weirdly, losing on the road in Milwaukee to drop the 500, you know, here in the middle of November is the point where I feel most optimistic about this team, which I can't believe I'm saying.
1: I do too. And, I, and just the last point on the Giannis versus AD. And again, those comparisons to me, like, I think Giannis has kind of ended those, especially as a number one option. And Giannis just a different type of player than AD is. But I just think the Bucks do some things to put him in positions that like, I'd love to see the Lakers do. Like the Lakers do a lot of this where they take half the shot clock running like rondo sets a cross screen or something for ad to get a post up and he eventually just posts up another super strong power forward and it's like they're helping off avery bradley in the corner but like i think ad like he's not i don't know Giannis probably is the better ball handler i guess but to me like ad has some ball handling skills that like i'd love to see us put in use like i feel like we just try to force him to be this iso post up big and and the bucks do this thing where like and they scored off at it off of it twice tonight, where Pat Connaughton comes, they do like an inverted screen where Giannis is at the top. And because you're playing off so far, they do an inverted screen where Connaughton comes and sets his pick. And so basically, eight Giannis gets to go downhill, or you leave Pat Connaughton, right? Either the guard shows on Giannis, or Pat Connaughton is open for a three. And it gets Giannis going downhill. It gets him in rhythm in a way where it's not just throw a post entry to Giannis where he's still good at that. He can still bully players in the basket, but Giannis gets a lot of buckets in that way where I'd love to see AD kind of get a little bit more ball handling duties at the top of the key instead of just giving the ball like at the high post where like it's Russ or Rondo giving him the post entry in a floor that's already super cramped and where the paint is cramped. So just like, again, I'm seeing good stuff, but I just would like us to kind of tap into more of what AD can do. I think, I think he's still being put in, a lot of situations where it's just one or two skills. It's either a step back jumper or, you know, a drive into three people. Um, so like that, those are the kind of things I'd like to see, but you're right. There's good process going. It's just when I watch the Bucks and like Giannis also gets a lot of like plays where like he gets the rebound and he just dribbles it up and uh, he's able to kind of feel in rhythm and like 80, you know, he gets the rebound. And it's like right away, give it to a guard. And I'm like, I feel like he can push the ball as well. Like there's stuff that I'd love to see us open the floor for him. Cause he is super skilled. I'd love for us to kind of use those skills more than just as a opposed. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, obviously, he's not Giannis. He's not a give the ball to him every possession and run your offense through it. Uh, but I just think, like, there's more that we can tap into with AD. That, and, again, he's, his numbers are still insane. He's still, you know, he's been carrying us for a lot of this season. I just feel like there's more there than, than we're seeing with AD.
0: No, so I, I 100% agree. And the main, the main reason the, that what you're getting at here is so smart is – post defense is the number one area in the NBA right now where defenders are allowed to be physical. And so in a weird way, it kind of is like the wrong, it's just, it's the wrong era almost to force feed post players. You know, there, there are a handful of guys in the league who do really, really well there. But the truth of the matter is, is like, as a guy like Anthony Davis with a really high center of gravity, that's easy to knock off balance. It's just, it's, it's not the best place for him to attack. I agree with you. Like, with all the shooting that you have on this team, getting him in the situations with a live dribble out by the three-point line or doing a lot more of like let's do quick pick and pops and hit him where the defender is kind of closing out at him so that he can just do quick rip-throughs and things along those lines to give him a little bit of an advantage, I, I, I really would like to see more of that. He's never going to be able to consistently break a team down off the dribble from the perimeter because his like side-to-side quickness is not as good as a guy like Giannis, right? So, like, Giannis can do these, like, rip-throughs and, and jab steps and, and crossovers where he covers a lot of ground really fast and no one can really stay in front of him on the perimeter. Anthony Davis is a little bit more of, like, a, uh, you know, the, the what makes him such a versatile big is more his finesse and his length than it is his speed and quickness. You know, that's not necessarily his strong point. You know what I mean? Like, like Giannis literally moves like a guard. That's the huge difference there and what allows him to consistently attack off the dribble. But that doesn't mean he can't do more of it. And especially in specific matchups to your point, when you what like, I would love to see more Anthony Davis attacking off the dribble against a team like Denver, you know, where it's like, he's going to be going against Jokic where he does have a foot speed advantage, you know, even against Robert Williams on Friday night, that'd be another interesting matchup to see him do a little bit more off the dribble. But I'm with you just like, Force feeding Anthony Davis post-ups, uh, there was a stat that I saw the other day that 40% of his post-ups end in a, in a fadeaway jump shot. Like that that's mm-hmm. that, that's just the – and I'm, I'm not even sure how they factor that in, whether or not those count pass attempts or shots towards the rim. I'm, I'm not sure what the exact math was there. But the point is, is like Anthony Davis post-ups shouldn't be his only isolation attack. They should find varying ways to get him involved in that regard.
1: Yeah, and, like, even the screen and roll actions, like, to me, the Rondo AD screen and roll has become almost pointless sometimes, like, because the defender is so off. AD gets zero contact on the screen. Like, I'd I like him to be more, be, like, just how the Bucks use Giannis, like, as has him as a screener so much, like, I would like him to kind of play more with Malik Monk as a screen, screen and roll big. Like, I know this comp isn't right, and I'm not comparing the two players at all. It just feels like we're fitting ad to be like dirk you know what i mean like we're Mm -hmm. running actions as if he's dirk and he's not the shooter dirk is and also he's not like he's a much quicker player than dirk and he has like more off the dribble game to me and and you're right ad doesn't have like the strong one move that Giannis can do left to right crossover but to me like his handle is strong like he has the you know he does all these like in and out dribble in and out crossovers on bigs but i would just like to see more of that I, i just don't see it enough to me and And the screens as well, I don't know if it's on AD or if it's the guard, but just there's no contact on him. So, like, the guards are fighting over, and there's just no space created. And, like, you see THT, Rondo, Russ throw lobs into traffic, basically, right? Because no one has help. You haven't caused anywhere – you haven't caused any help. So, they're just throwing a lob up and having AD play jump ball with, like, Giannis or whoever the big is. So, yeah, like, I think AD is more skilled than we're seeing, I guess. And I just – I don't know. Again, that's some on AD as well, just his aggression – Or lack thereof, it. But I just want to see him more in ball handling situations where it's not just you know him with the back to his back with the with his back to the basket trying to make decisions because you could tell that's not where he's comfortable. Like like you saw him trying to read where the traps are going and it's like a second late than it needs to be some on most times and like that's just not where he's comfortable at. So I'd love to see just a little bit more of like ball handling responsibilities for him as a as an attacker.
0: So it to kind of put a bow on tonight, um, are, with LeBron coming back the, uh, on Friday, how do you see, like what, what kind of rotation changes do you expect? Who do you expect to fall out of the rotation? What do you expect the starting lineup to look like? How do you expect the flow of the game to go?
1: Yeah, those are a lot of questions, <laughs> but i'll <start> with, <laughs> I'll, I'll, def, I'll definitely start with the starting lineup. So, I don't think Tht is going anywhere. Like I, I just can't see them taking him out of the starting lineup. He is shooting too well to me as well from three. Uh, so I definitely think it would be Russ, probably Tht, uh, Ron, Ad, and then I'm not really sure on the fourth spot. To be honest, I hope I'm guessing it's Wayne Ellington uh, if they're going to continue with Ad at the five. Uh, but like to me, like there's no reason for Rondo to play right now. Like I just don't think you need to. And I don't think DeAndre Jordan needs to play either and honestly Bazemore, we'll see i thought it was another rough night for him he played hard but he's probably out of the rotation as well so i i just want to i just want to see them stagger like russ and Braun and maybe even tht in there because like that's probably give them their best chance to win and obviously lebron solves a lot of these issues lebron's not only the power forward he's also the backup point guard uh, which also helps a lot of those lineups but how about you man i like that's how i see the starting lineup going I know that T I feel like THC is going to stay in there next to Russ, uh, Braun and AD. And then that fourth guy, I think probably Wayne Ellington or Avery Bradley. One of those two Vogel might still want to just go Bradley for defense, but how do you see that? THG has to start.
0: He's just, mm-hmm. he's too, he's too good. You know, like yeah. I, I mean, like I, he's looked so good in these last two games that it literally doesn't make sense to bring him off the bench. Now you, you might think, Oh, traditional sixth man role, which is where my brain usually goes. Cause you've got, uh, you know, redundancies in the starting lineup when you got that many dribble drive guys. But, you know, generically or like historically in the NBA, the sixth man type of off the bench scoring archetype, your Lou Williams, your Jerry Stackhouse, your Jamal Crawford, that type of guy, they're almost always bad defensive players. And the dirty little secret to why they come off the bench is because they're bad defensive players. (laughs) That's that's usually the rationale behind that kind of decision. THT has been one of the best defenders on the team so far in the two games that he's played. Obviously, I don't yep. want to um, give too much credit in that regard. But anyway, point being, like you, you have, you have to start THT. So you look at the if you look at the flow of the game and the way that they usually substitute the stars because of the way that Anthony Davis likes to play full quarters and because of the fact that Russ likes to take quick short rests instead of longer drawn out rests. What ends up happening is. LeBron, uh, Russ comes out, you know, like quick, like usually first this year, they're pushing LeBron sub a little bit later. He comes out like two, like three quarters of the way through the first quarter. So it goes, it goes from like the starters to like a LeBron AD group to like an AD Russ group. And Mm -hmm. then AD and Russ both come out and it turns into like a LeBron with the bench guys group. And then Russ comes back in quick and it turns into like a LeBron Russ group. And then LeBron comes out, it goes to LeBron AD. So you can kind of see how, and then Russ comes back in and it's a starter. So you can kind of see how the staggering works there to keep two, two stars on the floor for the most part with LeBron as that extra guy. But now with THT thrown into that mix, you're going to have like a high level dribble creator on both wings at all times, which is a super exciting prospect for, you know, what this team is supposed to be. This is something that the guys on at LFR, have been preaching and it's something that I'm a big believer in. It's kind of this, I I, I've been talking a lot about modern basketball with the LA Clippers, right. From the playoffs last year, this idea, like we're just going to spread you out Mm -hmm. and it's all this dribble drive attack penetration, getting you into rotation and then swinging the ball around to shooters. Right. Well, in order for that to work, you got to have multiple guys that can break down the defense off the dribble at the point of attack, either through pick and roll or literally just beating a guy off the dribble from the perimeter. Well, having this many guys the way the Lakers have, it's starting to trend in that direction. They need to go away from post-ups. We talked a little bit about this earlier. Instead of going really heavy Anthony Davis post-ups, really heavy LeBron post-ups, which, by the way, you can still do in specific matchups and specific situations as a wrinkle to throw in there. But I'd like to see just a lot more get four guys out, have either AD or Dwight set a high screen and roll, or even go five out sometimes when AD is on the floor. And just let THT, Russell Westbrook and LeBron James beat guys off the dribble and and just start getting the team into rotation because it's always going to be shooters around them now. That's what's so exciting about this formula is we have real bona fide knockdown three-point shooters, although tonight they didn't show that. But the point being like this formula is starting to look a lot less like the 2020 where we're, you know, championship Lakers that were like a Literally, almost like a 1990s team that just was trying to pulverize you with size and physicality. To now, we're doing this modern basketball space the floor, drive and kick offense that that makes a whole lot of sense. And still have the physicality that comes from having LeBron and AD. Oh, and guess what? Our other two dribble drive guards, Russ and, and THT, are like physical specimens at the position that are going to have a whole other side of you know physical. Impact on the opponent just in their own right, you know. So I, I, I'm really, really excited to see everybody fall into their roles here. I think we'll see a lot less Baysmore. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, th- I don't think you'll see DeAndre Jordan at all, except when Dwight Howard is resting, like he did in the second half tonight. I think uh, Ariza complicates things even further. But I, I would not be surprised if it ter- if Bradley falls entirely out, Baysmore falls entirely out, and they just play the shooters and it turns basically into Dwight AD, LeBron THT Russ and then Ellington Monk Mello. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and maybe some Ariza in there when he gets going, but it just with the, the with the physical imposing nature of those four those core four players, you can get away with playing less physical shooters around them. And so I that's that's kind of the way I see it going.
1: Yeah. And that's why I was like, even tonight, I really wanted them to just put a shooter in where Avery Bradley is. And I understand Vogel's, you know, love for Avery Bradley. It makes sense. Uh, even going small, it's just like, ode to his past team, right. Avery Bradley represents like a defensive minded first player who can't face the floor, but teams just don't guard him in a way. Like even Wayne Ellington, tonight, who was one for seven, I, like they still guard him. Like he has a certain level of gravity that I think is important. And I think that's important on Friday as well in Boston. Like I, I just think you can't have a non shooter in that space, even with the shooting that THT has shown. You start Russ, Braun, and AD, like teams are going to pack the paint. And then you add THT into that, as special as he's been, like the paint is going to be packed. And I just need at least one shooter in that spot, whether it's Monk, but I'm hoping it's Ellington. I think Ellington just has more of a mature game right now. Monk is more of like a hot and cold scorer type. And again, Ellington didn't shoot well tonight. He just understands how to get open, how to relocate, right, when he throws a pass and his man helps off him. He understands how to get into, like, the correct, correct passing angle. And I just hope that he kind of starts. But I wouldn't be surprised if Vogel went with Bradley again just to kind of keep keep that defensive-minded first player in there. But that's what I hope happens. I hope we start Wayne Ellington, go all into this, you know, AD at the 5, Bron at the 4, just rust ball. Um, that's what I hope happens on Friday, man. Uh, but I think this team is kind of progressing. Like, I think you just removed the Rondo minutes – and uh and the deandre jordan minutes uh, but the rondo minutes especially just remove that from the rotation right now it's just a big boost in and of itself and then obviously getting lebron back um and you know this is this is a big road trip to me like i like i understand bronze just coming back but i think like y- you got to win some of these games going up here after boston i think it gets a little lighter i think it goes like indiana detroit or something like that but it's a big road trip man they're eight and eight right now like you get lebron back now like i think this is the time to kind of go on a go on a run here
0: I think so too. I think it starts tomorrow, uh, Friday against Boston. I think the Lakers are going to go on a run here. Um, We'll see. A lot of things got to go right. Guys got to stay healthy. Um, But this suddenly with THT back and looking the way he looks and LeBron coming back, this suddenly becomes a team that's going to have a demonstrable talent advantage every single night, like a big, big talent advantage. And when you couple that with the urgency associated with the 500 record and the fact that they have some ground to make up in the standings, and the fact that these guys got to be sick of losing, um, I, I think I think we're going to see a, a really solid stretch here of really good Laker basketball. And it sure would be great for them to beat the hell out of Brooklyn on Christmas Day to cap something like this <laughs> off. That that would be that would be kind of like the target for a, a date that you'd like for them to kind of start to hit a, re, a real ceiling in that regard. But I'm really I, I am really excited. To really quickly a note on Bradley. People have complained about Avery Bradley in recent days. And again, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the some of the things that he does when he's on the court. Like I think he's way too much of a gunner for what the guys actually need out of that position. Um, the dude has never seen a shot he doesn't like uh, and is way too aggressive as a jump shooter early in the clock, and that can get irritating. Um, um, however, when you look at what he does in Frank's system, it, it, he's a predictable defensive option. You know, the mistakes he makes are mistakes that play into their scheme. The, uh, his ball pressure and his ability to fight over screens is in, in, like absolutely necessary for the pick and roll coverages. So like, would I prefer for Ellington to be in the starters? Yes. To be clear, I would go with Ellington. I think the spacing is, is better with him and he's enough of a, you know, a, a fundamentally sound positional defender that it works. However, it is also exciting to think about the ball pressure of that group with, with Avery Bradley. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's exciting to think about like, Hey, guess what? You're uh, you're playing, you know, you're going into uh, to Boston and it's Marcus Martin, Jason Tatum and and all these guys. It's like, guess what? You're going to have THT, Avery Bradley and Russell Westbrook ball pressuring the living hell out of you from the opening tip. Like that, that, that's an exciting prospect in its own regard. My point is, is like, I saw a couple people compare him today to DeAndre Jordan, like the the new DeAndre Jordan, meaning like the new guy that makes no sense in the lineup. Look, I think he's going to fall out of the rotation. I would start Ellington, so I'm not disagreeing with like some of the rationale there, but he's a hell of a lot better option than what could be. You know what I mean? Like it's he's not that bad in that position.
1: No. Yeah. And I, like, I was a big fan of Avery Bradley, you know, two years ago, I was hoping they resigned him. I wish he went to the bubble. He did not out of his own decisions. He's a player that like kind of fits what Vogel wants to do. And this is not against Avery Bradley. It's just a function of the team to me. It's just, I, I, you can't have a non shooter in that space. Bradley can shoot. That's a difference between there's a difference between a guy who can't shoot and an absolute shooter, right? Like when he a shooter, they have to respect. And I just, don't like the floor balance on that. Avery Bradley plays hard. I think defensively, like, he plays hard. He's too small sometimes in a lot of matchups. Like, that's his biggest gripe to me, um, his, his height. Like, he just can't match up sometimes. But he plays hard. He defends. He's a good point of attack defender. Like, there's no there's no qualmy about that. But I'm just, like, saying, like, you just can't play a non-shooter to me with these 80 out-of-five lineups that we're, we're trying to run out here. There's just no space, especially when a lot of the offense is post-up heavy. They're helping off the same guy every time. Like to me, the the game changed to me in that third quarter uh, when you when Avery Bradley came out and they put in I believe Wayne Ellington and then he never came back in the game. They uh, kept Malik Monk on there and the floor the floor balance of the spacing just looks so much better. AD was able to get going a little bit. THD got some driving lanes open. Russ got some driving lanes open. I think that's really important right now. And we'll see when LeBron comes back how all that kind of changes. Uh, but yeah, nothing against Avery Bradley. Like I don't think he's DeAndre Jordan level of. Uh, of of effort or you know or his impact on the game it's just to me it's a function of the roster right now it's just I you can't play a non-shooter in that lineup with just how our offense is running but maybe that's different with LeBron out there like maybe you can play every Bradley if LeBron's out there but, but to me I'd rather just put a shooter in that spot and I think Rallington has been defending well enough like I like he's not great he's not going to be a plus defender but I, like I think he's trying hard and he fights so I think that's all you can really ask him
0: yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I think we're on the same page here. Like, he's definitely not the best option. All I'm saying is, like, I, this the rationale behind play, playing Avery Bradley makes more sense to sure. me from the coaching staff than the DeAndre Jordan thing did, is, is all I'm saying. Sure. Uh, but anyway, so that's all I had for tonight. Obviously, Raj, if there's anything else in your notes you wanted to hit, obviously, with an East Coast road trip like this, I'm going to take advantage of it to... Try to end the night a tiny bit early to try to spend some time with my wife, for one. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to hit tonight?
1: Uh, last thing in my notes was like you could tell the difference in chemistry between the Bucks and the Lakers, right? Like I thought that was pretty clear. I thought the Bucks knew exactly what are they wanted to do late down the stretch of that game. It was straight up Milton, Giannis pick and roll. They knew exactly where to be, and I just wrote down like that's where I hope the Lakers kind of get to this season, where they know what they're doing late in the game. You could tell they were kind of experimenting. Uh, with that and then uh, last thing I think uh, shout out uh, Pickup Hoop uh, who tweeted out THT in three games this year 23.7 rebounds to assist, uh 62% true shooting like that's kind of insane third game back 20 uh, year old so I, I, those numbers probably won't stay where they are at. Um, his usage will probably go down with LeBron going back but uh, I think that's been the kind of theme the last few games here is THT is the real deal so that's why I wanted to kind of close out with here
0: yeah, he can be what—because like, I don't think Russ is long for the Lakers if this doesn't go well. Like, obviously, if they win the title, then, you know, they'll keep him and this will all go well. But, you know, the reality is is that that, that that fit of having, like, the super high-end playmaker IQ guy like LeBron with the big that needs someone to set him up like Anthony Davis that can create his own shot and apply a ton of rim pressure— and also defend that all makes a ton of sense. And so THT can slot right into that in the post Russ era. You know what I mean? Especially if he continues to progress at this rate, I I cannot, I'm so impressed by how fast he's come along again, only three games, but I'm, I've been really impressed. All right, guys, thank you guys so much for coming to hang out tonight with Raj and I, I'm glad that we were finally able, even after a loss to hit on some good positivity with this group um this is going to air on dash radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m pacific standard time and we'll be in our podcast feed here in about 15 minutes as always we sincerely appreciate your guys' support and you come and hang out with us after these games and we will see you for another early show on friday night if you're not out partying having a good time you can come hang out with raj and i and talk some basketball
1: appreciate it thanks everyone